Hi, everybody. I'm George, and this is The Best Little Horror House in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. And today's guest is a writer, actor, and comedian known for Wet Hot American Summer First Day Camp, comedy Bang Bang, the TV show, and the podcast, and so much more. Mookie Blakelock is here. How's it going, man? Hi, George. It's going okay. Sure, yeah, uh, as well as it can be under the circumstances. Yeah, you know, it's fine. How, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. good. I got to say that one of the things that definitely uh, helps keep me going is, uh, in addition to your credits, which are numerous, uh, you've really got an incredible Twitter presence, which recently you've been doing these side-by-side videos with TikTok trends, and uh, they really crack me up. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. I, I, I will give more credit to TikTok. I got a, um, a TikTok obsession a few months ago, and I decided to get on TikTok and start um, making TikToks the way that people were making TikToks on TikTok. And uh, <laughs> I'm because I know a lot of people don't want to be on TikTok, I will put them on Twitter uh, as well. But so I, I just I, I appreciate what you said. I have to give credit to to the TikTok app, which is a fun app, guys, where some there's some crazy, insane shit going on over there. And everyone should check it out. I think I was curious how long you work on these dances and follow up. Do you feel newly prepared to tear it up once it's uh, safe to go outside again? Oh, boy. I mean, so the side by side dances that I do, which are a particular I mean, it basically started as like I want to do TikToks. I want to do the kind of sometimes it sounds a little smug and cynical, but it's like I don't want to say making fun of, but just like it's some sort of take on whatever people are already doing on TikTok. And then one right. of them is like there are these side by side dances particularly with this one person, Charlie D'Amelio, who is this 15-year-old girl who is like the number one most popular person on TikTok. And she dances to songs. And um, I thought I would do one of those. And then, of course, the one thing that was like a little more joyous and a little less smug was the thing that people liked and responded to the most. So I did a few more of those. And uh, it's it's like a good, uh, depending on the difficulty of the dance, it's like a good, like at least couple days of like practicing it and getting a few recorded and like picking ones that are good. And then like going back and looking at them side by side and seeing little, you know, hip movements and things that I didn't catch the first time around. And, uh, it's a lot. If you look at closely at a lot of those, I'm like, I'll I'll probably do once I'm like ready to be like, I got this dance down and now I want to get a perfect one. I'm probably doing at least like 30 of them before I get one done. So if oh, you wow. look closely at those, I have like sweat <laughs> dripping down my, I'm like shiny and my, my face, I have to go in between and like, to- I have a towel <laughs> that I towel myself off with. I'm miming doing a towel on my face for just the two of us. But um, yeah, it's a few days, but I mean like, I don't know. What else am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> hey, very fair. So shifting gears into the actual topic today, uh, how did you get into horror? Great question. I never really used to like horror movies for a lot of my life. It was just something that I thought was just unappealing to me. I think I never even really tried watching horror. And then um, about, man, it must be going on like 10 years now. So uh, friends of mine, very good comedy friends of mine, Paul Rust and Neil Campbell, they're like huge, like encyclopedic knowledge, like movie guys. And uh, they love horror movies and they do this thing every year with our friends called the Halloween Horror Fest. We It's usually like the Saturday before Halloween, and we'll do basically like a 12-hour marathon of movies starting at around like 
2 p.m. and ending at around 2 a.m. And they're like very specifically curated where it's it's usually six movies. And the first movie is like a children's Halloween movie. So it's like the littlest witch are like like an episode of like a Halloween episode of Family Matters or something. Ease you in. Yes. And then they get gradually scarier until the last movie we're watching is like the most fucked up like cannibal holocaust (laughs) so it's always like and you know every movie is really fun so it's like the first three movies are kind of like a little on the milder side and then the last three start to get a little and the one i always look forward to is the one that's the second to last movie because the last one is always like a gore value like really like fucked up cerebral (laughs) and then usually that second to last one is always like a legit really good awesome scary horror movie and less over the top usually where it's uh, yeah yeah not going for that shock value maybe yes in fact the movie that i picked for this was one of those second to last movies at that marathon and it was just i I, it's like the first time i like sat down and like watched horror movies watched them all the way through and was like oh these are awesome especially like you know i've always loved like like Poltergeist, I've always loved, even for like a, like it's probably one of the only horror movies, and that movie isn't even necessarily, there are some pretty scary parts to that movie, like as a kid. Right. I watched Poltergeist again recently, and I was like, oh, this is like E.T., it's like very Spielberg y. <laughs> but just like thinking that horror movies were always like, you know, when I was in the video store as a kid and I would walk by that section and I would see like the cover of like Ghoulies or Child's Play or whatever like kind of shitty mo- like Leprechaun whatever yeah, that, yeah. not not that those movies are bad but it's like they I feel like they always were and this is probably like came from like my parents' opinion too or something like that that it's like those are kind of like trash. Mm-hmm. gross and uh, I think it's it was like the first time going to one of these Halloween horror movie fests with my friends and watching these movies and being like oh this is like these can be like legit good movies with like visceral real deep scary frightening moments to them and like it looks cool and it's paced well and it's it's thrilling and it's like you know being on a roller coaster and getting my heart pumping and all that stuff. So so if 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 you ask me like when when how long have I when did I really get into horror is like probably like within the last like ten years or less probably. But like really then loved it after that and really got into like found footage movies and what's the most kind of like shocking imagery <laughs> um, I can find in a horror movie and just like enjoy the uh the like thrill of it like eating habanero peppers or something (laughs) right yeah i think that that variety is so important where people when people realize that horror does have more to offer than whatever the flavor of the year may be even the flavor of the decade yeah you know when they realize that there is more to explore it's a lot it's very helpful if you have someone who can kind of sherpa you through like it seems paul did but um yep yep it, it definitely i think that there is something for everyone if they sit down and give it a chance so of course of course i always need somebody else to tell me what is cool so that's <laughs> like anything I, yeah <laughs> anytime i'm the guy who's telling somebody that something is cool it's because somebody else told me it was cool i mean i guess that's the way it works for everybody but that's right somewhere somewhere up the chain someone's starting it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 you know the first person to say that it's cool is is the artist themselves there you go perfect they're going hey this is cool that yeah and um also speaking of paul rust he has a horror podcast of his own that's really yes. great so i encourage people to check out in Voorhees we, Tr- uh, we trust with gorley and rust 
it's really really great stuff and he's also like you said uh, encyclopedic knowledge really passionate so um check that out you said that you started getting really into found footage and that is the style of movie that we are talking about today would you say that that's your favorite subgenre? i do really love found footage horror movies and seek them out and it like was because of when I watched this movie. I don't know if we can. Well, I'll, I'll wait till we'll, we'll wait for the reveal. But um, uh, yeah, I really um, it's that extra element of like it feeling like it's real, like taking away that sort of. I mean, not all found footage movies like, but I mean, like you know, I don't know your opinion on this, but like I think the Paranormal Activity movies are great. I actually have not seen them. Uh, really, that's one of my it's one of my blind spots because I don't usually seek out found footage stuff and in addition to that paranormal stuff is not really my uh, favorite genre either so you know i've heard great things Uh, my buddy jerry who was a guest on the show raves about the first paranormal activity in particular and talks about how groundbreaking it was um in terms of setting up found footage for success but i think that this movie which by the way we're talking about wreck from 2007 yes no no need to beat around the bush anymore yes 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 um this movie i think uh has a similar amount amount of sway in terms of sort of helping to establish this uh this uh the subgenre but yeah so, so you're a fan of the paranormal activity movies as well yeah i think they're they the, i'm not saying anything that anyone hasn't already said but just like the way that they use like what they don't show you and things like that where it's just like i mean to me like paranormal or like zombie or whatever the particular thing is like i it doesn't matter to me i'm sort of just like how are you gonna scare me like one of my favorite right. things about horror movies is just like when a movie can find an interesting new way or premise to make something scary and it's just like those paranormal even like the one that's like the marked ones that was like the (laughs) off-brand paranormal activity that they like labeled it but was like still really good and it was just like oh they won't they won't show you anything until fully like halfway through the entire movie and and like really truly like makes my spine curl in a knot and was like truly just like a good like horror movie watching experience and the sequels are all great it's like uh, i i really uh i i really love those and of course like you know i had seen like blair witch project a long time ago um and i remember being like very scared by it and then didn't and then revisited it again recently and was like that's a great one and just uh like as above so below is a really good one um it's interesting that this is a found footage movie from a time when that was still pretty rare i mean you mentioned um the blair witch project which came out in 1999 right and and there are other notable examples from history like cannibal holocaust and man bites dog but Mm -hmm. you know in 2007 it was pretty much like this Paranormal Activity was getting some festival play, but wouldn't get wide release until 2009. And um, the Poughkeepsie tapes came out right around the same time as this. And so this foundational creation of this subgenre where absolutely uh, those, you know, things like the Blair Witch had um, had this intense push behind it because it was so innovative and because people felt like it was real. But in terms of cementing it into a mainstream thing that people were approaching, you know, 2007 was really uh, sort of the the boom, the tipping point of this subgenre. 
Okay, see, th- this is this is like already. I don't know any of this. <laughs> that's fine. Hey, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're right. We we both are playing our roles here. Uh, they remade Rec uh, in 2008 as as Quarantine. Uh, interestingly enough, I don't know there if you go. remember the movie Quarantine. Yeah, with uh, the lady from Dexter, whose name I forget, but uh, <laughs> that was the uh, that was the American remake of this movie from Spain. Right. So yeah. So as you say, this is a Spanish horror movie uh, directed by uh, Paco Plaza and Jaime Balaguero, who both worked with Luiso Berdejo to write the script. And one thing I also think is really interesting about these these found footage movies in particular, Paranormal Activity is another really great example of this, um, where not only are they relatively low budget, I mean, this movie was made for around $2 million, and it grossed about $32.5 million, which is huge. But they also, because they are so low budget, they tend to run a little on the shorter side. And I mm. wanted to get your opinion on this, because... I got a little pushback the last time I talked about this on Twitter. While I have no problem with a movie, a long movie that earns its length, so many movies really feel like they're stretching their conceit out. And a lot, I have a lot more respect for a movie like this that effectively communicates its idea and gets out than as opposed to one that drags out, even if they're just dragging it to get to that 90 minute mark, which I mean, at this point, that's barely even the the average length anymore. It's it's more like two hours. And so since it clearly doesn't bother you in this instance, I'm curious about your general opinion on quote unquote feature length and this sort of trend away from these quick movies that are effective in their uh, quickness. I mean, yeah, I'm 100% with you, George. I th- I mean, especially this one where it's like, I love a short and sweet movie. Like, yeah. get to the point, show me the scary thing or show <laughs> me the thing you want to show me. Build momentum, get out, you're done. This movie in particular, Wreck, is like, it's all momentum to me. Where it's like, everything is very, everything happens like, it's like dominoes. One thing knocks another thing down. Like, everything, everything feels earned. Like, it doesn't feel necessarily rushed. In a short amount of time, they, like, cover all of, like, the questions you would have about the logic of it or whatever. Another movie that's, like, I don't know if you are a fan of the the newer Planet of the Apes trilogy that they just made. I love those movies. And those are longer. And I didn't love the third one. The third one was my least favorite. But the first two, and they're longer movies, too, especially the second one. But, like, those movies are all just pure momentum like everything is earned everything happens in an exact perfect logical order everything makes sense everything is explained everything is answered it's like completely like engaging like they don't lose you for a second that's an example of a longer movie that does that and i think wreck is like a shorter movie where it's just like uh, you know you take me right along for the ride you already are setting it up in the beginning that i know that like something is gonna happen because it's calm and it's normal and it's whatever and like everything happens for a reason when it's supposed to happen all the questions are answered and then at by the end of it you're just like yeah okay i got it good Perfect. Good, yeah. good, good, good ride. You took me on. You took me on the ride, and it was. I I literally just watched it like right before. Yeah, I watched it last night, and it was great. What did I say? It's seventy eight minutes. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's great. If even if they had stretched that movie to ninety minutes, another twelve minutes, like I don't know what they would have put in other than 
more talking or, I mean, I, I suppose they could have put in more scares, but it's just like, I don't know. Are, are, is there any kind of like spoilers rule on this podcast? No, or? no, go for it. Okay. <laughs> or just, just that like the movie is about uh, a woman who is a news reporter and she's on this kind of like puff show called while you were sleeping. <laughs> it's like what people do on like overnight shifts. And she like goes in this overnight shift at a firehouse and they get this emergent and it's boring and nothing's going on. Cause it's, you know, the middle of the night, and then they get this call to this apartment building, and they get quarantined in the building. Um, ugh, I don't even remember the point I was trying to make. We were saying that in terms of when they were going to put anything in, you know, there's not oh, really that's a time right. that they could. Because even if they were like, okay, we have this 12 minutes, you know, and we want to put in another scare or another conversation, that throws off the tight pacing that they have for all this yes. other stuff. So. Oh, okay. I remember what I was going to say. Just, just that it's like... The uh, <clears throat> like the two main characters are this woman who's the reporter, and then the cameraman who you never see, who's like right. you're seeing Pablo. the Pablo. You're seeing the you know you're seeing the entire movie through his camera, and yeah. they end up being the last. This was the spoiler I was worried about. They end up being the last two alive. It's a. It, I mean, I guess I'll say this too: is that like it's a a take on a zombie outbreak where there's like a a woman in the building who they go there to help a woman in the building, and she ends up having some sort of. She's covered in blood and there's some sort of zombie right. thing going on with her and she bites somebody and then it keeps spreading around all the people in quarantined in the building. And so at the end of the movie, it's just the reporter and the camera guy. And you get to know in that short amount of time, like you get to know like every character and their thing too. And it's like, there's a mom and her child and there's like the older guy who lives there. And there's like the family that like works in the laundry room. And there's all these people that are in the building and they all get, you know, picked off one by one. And by the end, it's like, they're all zombies. And it's just like, I got to know every single one of those characters enough. I cared about them enough. And then like literally like just over an hour later, like they're all zombies and they're chasing these two people up to the penthouse of this building, which then I will say we could talk about this later, but like maybe like the best ending to a horror movie I've ever seen. It's like a a very, very like intense, scary five minutes of a movie. The last thing that I wanted to mention before we get into the actual movie is uh, I kind of went down this rabbit hole of exploring why found footage came out at this time and why it was starting to have uh, such a big boom here. And Right in the mid-2000s, around like 2006, was when uh, advancing tech and higher resolution made it possible for people who had handheld cameras to create uh, like a better-looking image than ah. the, the crap before. And so th- there was a huge tech boom in terms of camera, and these new high-quality cameras sort of revitalized um, film technique in a way that the advent of the personal camcorder did in the first place, um, allowing this sort of influx and accessibility two new filmmakers who couldn't make professional looking movie prior to that you know now they have this nice camera that allows them to just set it up and shoot uh yeah makes sense to me (laughs) yeah i was gonna say before clover i know it's not really a um a horror movie necessarily but like i i always love cloverfield yeah i would definitely consider that a horror movie it's a it's a creature feature (laughs) sure yeah and that was like i remember just hearing about how I guess it was T.J. Miller who was like the camp where he was like, he shot 30% of the movie or something where it's like, oh yeah, you can, it's like its own skill into itself to like make something look professionally shitty. One of the coolest things about like, Cloverfield has a lot of this too. And like, so so does Rec. Cool, like the thing I think about a lot with those is like how they, um, how they choreograph like specific like staging and blocking and stuff like that where it's like, yeah. 
you know, somebody's just holding a camera down by their side, but you're still catching something over here that you're supposed to see. And it's like a very cool, like, it's supposed to just be like, that almost seems like it takes more work and skill as like in making a film than it would necessarily if you're like, here's a static shot. Here are your marks. You know, we're shooting, we're shooting between you two. You move over here. So when this thing, and it's this thing where like the camera just like somebody's running and there's that shot in Cloverfield when they're like running down into the subway and you see the monster's face for the first time. And that's a very cool, like, oh, they're running and it's shaky and you have no (laughs) idea what's going on and it's chaos. But then there's this one thing where the camera sweeps up and just for a second, you see this monster's face for the first time and you're like, oh, fuck that little glimpse. Yes. It's like a very cool. And there's a lot of that in rec too, of just like framing and blocking a certain way where like you get to see a thing and it's still making it feel like you're just, it's like this real footage that was found and that you're just catching this glimpse of this thing by accident. It's like a very cool. That's always like an impressive part of it to me that I, that gets me real nerdy. (laughs) I love that about this movie. You know, it's like edited to look unedited while still mm-hmm. keeping an appropriate pacing is it's remarkable like things will be deliberately out of focus sometimes she'll do like a, a scissor gesture and that's how we'll cut to the next scene like mm-hmm. these little things that make it feel like we're seeing the behind the scenes stuff while you know that that was directed sort of those little touches yes. I think, are really hard to capture but when they're done well you know it's it works really well and I think that part of that comes through so much with this movie because their focus on authenticity is Mm -hmm. remarkable in this. I mean, you know, they shot on actual locations, so no building sets, which, you know, it it feels like a dingy apartment because it is not what a set designer is like. Oh, I wonder what a dingy apartment feels like. Yeah. It'll come up more as we go through, but our main character, Angela, She's playing, or she is a reporter, but she's played by Manuela Velasco, who actually is a TV host in Spain. So love it. Yeah, she has the the experience playing this role already, just from her normal life, um, which helps to feel it's so authentic. And they jump right into the movie. There's no opening credits because they're trying to create that authentic feeling. And yeah. oh, this is really found footage. So very cool stuff. Agreed. Like you said, um, it's. Angela and Pablo is the and Pablo the cameraman are the two main characters and yeah. they're filming while you're asleep and there's some serious dramatic irony going on here because you know we know that we're watching a horror movie and the whole time right. in the beginning she's like oh I sure wish something would happen <laughs> it's just yes like, of course Angela, yes come this on, is boring <laughs> this night will certainly not yield anything interesting. And so the firehouse finally gets a call about an old woman named Conchita who's trapped in her apartment and screaming. And so Angela and Pablo get to go with the firefighters, Alex and Manu, played by David Vert and Ferran Terraza, to the apartment building where there's two more police officers and the tenants there. So we've now got our main cast and they get completely locked in here it's basically uh, this is you know in addition to not having to build sets there's only really the one location so uh, that definitely helps to keep it a low budget movie as well and when we first see this old woman there who is the cause of this this call she's just swaying eerily in the background soaked mm-hmm. in blood and really so effective uh, and it's relatively early in the movie too so uh, like you said, I, I love when they just get to it. They're like, here you go. This is what you're here to see. Um, we get this really awesome scene uh, as she becomes aggressive and attacks the officer. Like, it's a, it's a great first scare, I think. Yeah, and, and that still that, that same sort of um, 
like the first time you, it's, it's like, so they go into this woman's apartment and it's like this narrow hallway that goes into the thing. And then it's like you, it's still a cool, it's a reveal of like, you first see like a blurry white thing that's like swaying and then you focus and it's far away. And it's that very cool sort of like, I'm not just going to show you this thing. I'm not going to show you this lady covered in blood. Right. You like, I mean, literally like that's, I'm watching this movie and I, I this, the people listening at home are not going to be able to see this, but it's like, I'm like, bending i'm i'm like getting up to see i can see between the people i'm like move out of the way so i can see the lady it's like it's truly like uh i i'm so sucked into just the way that they're and this is and the cool part is is that this is probably what only like 15 minutes into the movie or something yeah. like they're just like we're like getting right to it maybe not even 15 minutes i, I wonder even yeah that that atypical framing really helps you feel like you're in it where you're like it's not just that static shot uh, yeah. locked down uh the fact that it is moving around makes it feel like you're there and like uh, and you know helps to to make it scary. I also, I mean, as soon as this the cop who's there that gets attacked turned his back on her, I was like, oh, he's fucked. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And again, framed it. That that was another one of those where like the camera's just being held down by the dude's knee, and then all of a sudden something happens, and it's it's crazy and it's chaos. It's very like, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll I'm, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but. It's but you're right. Cool. I mean, yeah, it is cool. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, it is sort of like a zombie thing. It, it, they're never explicitly mm-hmm. called that. In fact, later on, yes, there's it's sort infection. of implied that there's... Yeah, exactly. It's uh, like a weird blend between science and religion here in this movie. Yeah. But she tears open his neck, and they're carrying the injured officer downstairs. And they find the building residents are gathered in the lobby. Everyone is completely sealed in. They're trapped inside, despite this police officer gushing blood people begin to panic and alex one of the firefighters who we met earlier remained upstairs with the old woman and just plummets from the top of the stairs. and this is one of my favorite parts this is one of the coolest parts of this movie and it's a full and again a full framing thing where it's like there's people gathered and they're in the lobby and everybody's going and i think this is like right after they've been told that they're they're locked in the building too yeah so like the police are outside and they're surrounding the building and they're locked in and they were like we can't let you out of the building until we figure out what's going on and then there's this thing that's fully out of nowhere, which I think is like one of the coolest, like, again, one of those, like, what's a cool way that we can like show you something scary. I don't know that it's necessarily like that you haven't seen before, but it's like this very, like, it's so sudden and so quick and like so graphic and real that it's crazy that, yeah, I know I cut you off, but I got excited about it. This is like, other than the last part of the movie, this is like my other favorite part of the movie where all of a sudden you get a little crack between two people and then from down the stairwell, you just hear like, and then this dude hits the floor and like splatters on the floor. It's brutal. <laughs> the energy gets ramped up again and everybody runs over to him and now everyone's <laughs> screaming and it's chaos again, even though it was actually kind of like a calm moment where they're all trying. It's it's such a cool, it's really, really, really like a really, really cool part of that movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not only is the shooting naturalistic, the it's completely unaccompanied by any score during this moment, which I actually looked at the end because I, uh, it, it stuck out to me. Um, in order to lend to that authenticity, there is no score in this movie. There's no composer or anything for the, for the movie. Yeah. Um, completely natural diegetic audio. 
And like you said, it's a calm moment. You know, we're expecting to sort of get this exposition about what's going on outside. This lady is in the middle of monologuing about her sick kid. And we're like, all right, mm-hmm. backstory. Here we go. And then instead, bang, this dude cracks his head open like a damn egg. Like, yeah, out completely out of nowhere. While they were filming this, none of the actors knew that this was going to happen. So the reactions were completely real. Oh, and this actually extended beyond this scene because the actors weren't given the scripts in their uh, in the entirety. So huh. none of them knew their character's fate until the day they were filming their scenes. Again, sort of lending to that authenticity where, you know, they're stressed, nervous, apprehensive about what's going to happen with their character. Sure. And that definitely comes across. That I did not know. These are fun facts. They didn't know that a guy was going to get dropped from the... Uh... Nope. Wow. Only, uh, yeah, that, like, can you imagine... They're in the same exact boat where they're like, all right, here we go. Exposition time. Wow. (laughs) There had to have been something on set where they're like, hey, we're going to film this scene and then something's going to happen and I just want you guys to react to it. (laughs) Um, You know, certainly uh, they claim that this is uh, the facts. So, you know. Yeah, we'll do do a little (laughs) deeper digging and see if they're just bullshitting us. Yeah, exactly. But we're seeing that this woman who has taken out a police officer and a firefighter already. She's demonstrated this like crazy strength and she kills another girl. And finally the remaining police officer, Sergio is just, he just finally has to shoot her. (laughs) Like she's caused enough damage. This is a really great scene too. She's charging at him and the sound mixing is really awesome with these echoey gunshots ringing out. feels really impactful. Yeah. There's like a nice little real moment there too afterwards where the guy's like, because it's the police officer and the firefighter, Manu, going like, she was running at me. I had to shoot her. And the guy's like, I know it's okay. I saw it. I saw it. It It's just like this like sort of little calm there. Like it seems like the first time that they're like taking like a moment to be like, oh fuck, this is. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is this is crazy? What is happening to us in this horror movie? <laughs> and things only get crazier. They discover that the reason they're locked things in only is get crazier, <laughs> folks. From here, you pay, you pay for the whole seat. But you, you think only that this moment, a half an hour into the movie, would be the craziest part? But it <laughs> gets crazier. Yep. This is not the peak. We find no. out that the reason they're locked in is because the police are following BNC protocols, which stands for. Biological, nuclear, or chemical threats. Very ominous. Mm. Plus, on on top of that, they're completely isolated uh, with no cell phone service, TV, radios, no communication with the outside world at all. And so now that they fooled us prior, Mm. we finally get a little bit of time to settle down, meet the rest of the characters. They do this, I think, in a really fun way where it makes sense with the story where Angela starts interviewing the residents to kind of get their take. And we learn about them this way, Mm -hmm. uh, including vain and racist old man, rattled nuclear family, (laughs) and... And, um, but most importantly, we meet Jennifer, the aforementioned uh, sick little girl, supposedly right. has tonsillitis. She says that her dog, Max, is at the vet because he's sick as well. And her mother, uh, Marie Carmen, is interviewed next. And I, I just thought that this actor was very funny, where she's like, I'm going to sue. I'm definitely going to sue. And it's like, who yeah, are you going to sue, real, Yeah, <laughs> a real Karen. Yes, exactly. The this original Karen. ahead of its time. <laughs> what, whatever, yeah, what would be the Spanish name for Karen? We'll, we'll look it up. Yeah, exactly. We'll, uh, we'll edit that in. It'll sound perfect. <laughs> Great. <laughs> the Spanish name for Karen is... Edit point here. Okay. Right. Okay. We're back. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah. So a health inspector in a hazmat suit arrives 
and uh, he attempts to treat the injured. But these people who are already like missing pieces of their neck <laughs> and and everything, they get aggressive to the point that's obviously bonkers for these people who are on death's door mere moments ago. Sure. It's another great scare as he's trying to explain a little bit like what's happening and uh, the glass door like just starts to sh- like crack as they're pounding on it. It's, it's good stuff. It's a good movie, man. <laughs> yeah, is that that? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I'm like forgetting this part. I literally just watched this movie. Like I ended watching it an hour ago. <laughs> it's like right before yes. they lock them in the textile warehouse. Right, 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 right. Okay, yes. And, well, and so the injured are locked in the textile warehouse, and um, the health inspector explains basically that they're infected with this virus similar to rabies, and that the disease was tracked here because um, it was a dog in the apartment building that went to the vet. They realize it must be Max. Yes, indeed. Um, And there's a really good tense moment here as the residents kind of turn on Marie Carmen immediately, (laughs) and she's freaking out. Oh, no, it's tonsillitis, tonsillitis, tonsillitis. And as they're all turning on her, Jennifer turns to her mother and just vomits blood on her face and and just flees. Yep. Shocking. <laughs> yes, just scatters away with that cool uh like child zombie sound that they uh that like screeching. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. The sound the it's interesting that the there is no score in this, but the sound mixing because there is no score has to kind of pull so much more yeah. duty um and it, it does a really great job. Oh yeah, it's great. They're like, "No, you can't go after her. She's infected." Yeah. But it's She's like, dead already, basically. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's just like that. I always have, this always gets me, like, very hard when it's, like, a, a like, mother or father, like, like with the love of their child and, like, them being yeah. uh, in any movie, in any genre of just, like, right. that, that really, that always hits me hard of just, like, parents lose children or, like, you know, like, not being able to, it's like Dumbo when, you know, Dumbo can't see his mom, that kind of thing. Right. It's just like, oh, wait, <laughs> sure, that, that, always, that always hits me real hard. Yeah. Well, and so it's funny, too, because she's like, oh, no, my daughter, like, we need to go after her. And Sergio and Manu and Pablo head up after this girl, and they find her. And let's just say she has degraded quickly. <laughs> yeah, it was a quick, it was, that. that's the one thing in this movie that I'm like, she had already, like, basically it's, you know, from the beginning, you kind of start to suspect that's like, oh, she's already been bitten. And maybe right. it's like, I don't know, it affects children slower or something like that. But it's like, these people immediately get bitten. And then like moments later, they're like up and they're zombies. <laughs> and this girl is just always sort of like, I have tonsillitis. And like her lips are a little blue and she has a little like, cult like sore on her mouth you know you start to go like oh she got bit she's fucking Uh (laughs) she's dead and then and then all of a sudden she like kicks into zombie mode when everyone looks at her and goes did she get bit by the dog and then she goes (laughs) and runs away and then they run up after her and then she's fully like a zombie with like blood on her mouth and coming out of her eyes and stuff it's very quick pustules yes uh, fucked up eyes and yes super creepy she's just standing there with the spotlight from the camera on it yes it's a nice little like um little kid looking ominous horror movie Very creepy, moment yeah. thing like a uh, a nice classic little kid staring dead-eyed forward <laughs> yeah and then i mean she comes at the cop like a damn howler monkey he gets bit immediately as he's holding her back uh he tells the others to leave him because he realizes he's been bit and this is kind of an interesting character moment because the whole time he's sort of been the antagonist just in terms of telling people what they can and can't do uh telling them to stop recording and stuff and he does have this moment here of general general uh, genuine sacrifice general um, so's chicken (laughs) 
Uh, he has this moment of General So's chicken, protects them with it. <laughs> um, but I, I just think it's a really uh, great character moment to make sure that, you know, these characters, even though we don't get to spend an insane amount of time with any of them, they don't feel one dimensional because, you know, they're complicated like this. You know, they're yeah. not just a bad guy. And they and they squeeze that all in. In a short amount of time, which is like, right. I mean, I already said this, but like, is very cool and like worth it. I, 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 it's, it always feels to me like, I guess back on the point of the length of the movie or whatever, but it's just like, it always feels like you just have to do enough to make me understand and then don't worry about doing any other work. Yeah. I mean, over explaining is as bad as under explaining. So. Yes. And as they run, leaving Sergio there to, stop this little girl the old lady jumps out at them again and Mm. truly scared the shit out of me (laughs) yeah that's a good one and manu and pablo find the remaining residents running upstairs as the people from within the warehouse broke down the door marie carmen is like you said she's still there like cuffed to the stairs like bait um really great stuff and it does give them time to get away but it is sort of this like how long do we spend trying to get her out even (laughs) like right and it works really well here where Angela and Pablo and Manu, they're hunting this key um, and they're, it's the key is supposed to let them exit the building through a large drain in the basement that connects to the sewers. But they're messing with like the mailboxes down in this main room where, uh, where Marie Carmen is. And she had been collapsed in like a bloody pile on the floor there. Right. And they're like messing with the mailboxes and then it, they turn back around and she's, up and standing and staring at them and just again this uh, lack of score I think really works to the movie's benefit in that these moments are shocking because the moment is shocking and not just like oh loud screeching violins uh, surprised me so yeah it's it's great there's a lot of great reveals in this and a lot of um I like to like when you when you're talking about like the the old woman from the beginning jumping out again and it's like because there's there's a point where they go back up there was the girl that she bit and then they were both like dead in the hallway of her apartment and then they go back up there later and they're like oh they're gone the woman and the girl are gone and so you're like oh shit like they're just on the loose and we're gonna see them again but it's that it's that thing where in again in a short amount of time like they make you forget that that's coming right you know what I mean because it's moving so quickly you're you're like all right I'm on to the next thing already and so when they do bring something like that back it's super effective yeah there was something that somebody said about movies a long time ago that i heard that it was like i think it was like movie endings but i think it can be like any kind of like effective movie moment that's like it's like don't you're not supposed you don't see it coming but it makes perfect sense kind of thing where it's like of and you go of course it would be that person that comes back or that person and i feel like um there's there's a good amount of that in that movie where you're like oh right that person or like oh of course this is what happened it, i mean it all falls into like the sort of like the logic timeline that they put into this movie where you're just like yep okay that was that and you told me that earlier and that's coming it's it's all yeah. uh you know i mean I, i'm i'm for like you know abstract filmmaking too but like sometimes i love it when you just like let me put the puzzle pieces together for myself and feel smart and just go like, Oh, that's because they said that before. And (laughs) yeah, well, I, I agree, but I think that, um, some of that more vague filmmaking, it's good when it's deliberate, but when I, I feel like a lot of times people are like, Oh, it's a horror movie. There doesn't need to be logic. And I don't agree with that. I think that the more, Oh yeah. I hate when there's not right. You have to establish the rules and then follow them. And it's only by like living within those rules, we can understand what to expect from this monster, like, or, you know, in this case, zombies. And when people don't 
adhere to the internal logic of the movie that they've created, um, it feels sloppy and underdone. And this movie, I think part of why it feels so well put together is that it has impeccable logic. As you're saying, you know, these characters are shown to be missing. We are distracted by something else. And then, mm-hmm. of course, it makes perfect sense that these two would wander back out and be an, uh, another threat. Um, I, it's, I think that it's something that this movie does uniquely well for uh, compared to a lot of horror movies. So Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Nothing to add. Perfect. Cosign. You said it. Uh, <laughs> and um, as they're ransacking the Supers apartment, still looking for the keys, uh, Manu is bitten, forcing Angela and Pablo, instead of going down to the sewers, to go up to take refuge in the penthouse. Yes. And the whole, the whole movie, we'd heard about how the penthouse was empty, uh, owned by someone who was never there. Funnily enough, I didn't question that at all, even though, of course, like, of course there's something up there. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, okay, there's no one up there. Perfect. Oh, you didn't, you weren't, you were like, oh, the, oh, the penthouse. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I had no idea. And they get up there, they turn on Pablo's spotlight. There's a really cool, I, I just want to mention one thing that there's the really cool shot when they're running up, when they look down the, the stairwell. And then everybody, basically, it's like Great. all the characters in, from the movie come out, like, are screaming as zombies and running up after them. And literally, they all yeah. stick their heads out like, it's like, hey, remember all of us? We're all dead now. We're all zombies. And it's a really cool, like... Nice curtain call. Yes. And a, and a full, just like, just so you know, every single person that was in the movie is now a zombie. It's only these two people left. Yeah. Yeah, really, it creates this very quick feeling of hopelessness. Like, yeah. wow, all the people that we started with have already been screwed. Uh, they're chasing these people up to this uh, one last environment that we don't know anything about. Um, it's it's a very effective moment, definitely. And when they finally do get up to this penthouse, they turn on Pablo's spotlight and find the walls just covered in notes, pictures, crucifixes, uh, there's beakers and shit. Like, it's creepy as hell. It's a really yeah. scary-looking penthouse. And they discover a tape recorder that explains that the penthouse owner was a Vatican agent named Alberta. He was supposed to isolate this enzyme that was in uh, a young Portuguese girl that was named uh, Tristana, whose symptoms were like... They, they thought it was a demonic possession, basically. Right. And... And so they were like, we need to prove that this isn't a demon, so figure out what's causing this and uh, get back to us. But as this guy tries to treat this little girl who was supposedly possessed, the enzyme mutated and became contagious. So basically he said, fuck this, I'm out of here. Locked her in the uh, Locked locked her in in the the penthouse, yeah. Yeah, he was like, she'll die of starvation eventually. And so as Pablo and Angela wander this apartment listening to the recording, an attic door swings open. Yes. Which, whew, really great moment. Again, very classic sort of like yep. you feel like you're in a haunted house when like, yep. this, uh, this door swings open. And it's this great tension because they need to see if there's an exit. But Angela is freaking out. And so what Pablo does is he just sticks the camera up into the attic and slowly rotates it. And very you know. slowly. Slower <laughs> than you could. Yes. It's a real... It's a real butthole tightening moment. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, suddenly, you know it's coming, and it's still surprising. This infected yep. boy uh, lunges out and damages the light on the camera. And according to the comic book, because I did have to look this up, I was like, who the hell is that kid? Um, There's a com- what, what comic book? See, this I didn't even know. It, there you go. Hey, you, now you know something that you got to go find. Uh, it's okay. in between, I think, Rec 1 and 2. There's like ah. a, a comic that gives additional backstory. Oh, wow. Um, 
Yeah, and so basically what it says is that um, the Vatican guy, yeah, he kidnapped some neighboring children and was testing the virus's effect on them in an attempt to cure them. Uh, So that's who that kid is. Interesting, because that's one of the moments in that movie where I'm like, I don't know why there's a kid there. I feel like they just put in a creepy kid for a scare. (laughs) Yeah, well, so that that, I I wonder if the comic is retroactively trying to explain (laughs) their their. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. When was when did the comic book come out? I don't know, but uh, it, it probably is that. But you know, I'm willing to I'm willing to give him the benefit. Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. It's like uh, how you know. It's like why Rogue One explained how what the uh, the weakness exactly. in the Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so basically, this kid is there to damage the light. Um, and so Pablo, he has to activate the night vision on the camera and he sees down the hallway. Finally, we get to see Tristana, this girl who, oh my best, like the best few minutes of like a horror movie that like I, I've ever seen personally. I really, really, really great. It's such a cool, it's such a cool reveal that, and it's such a slow reveal and it's such a shocking and real, like truly scary reveal that it's yeah. like i it's i feel like the whole movie is like worth it for this like last like couple of minutes yeah i mean she's like slowly searching the penthouse for food so it's not even like so much of the other scares have been very fast paced and and frenetic and with this one you finally get a chance to like really absorb just how awful she is to look yeah. at <laughs> and you're re- and you're seeing like and and again like really awesome shooting and framing of like because it's night vision, and so, like, Angela doesn't know where... So, so it's like Pablo knows what's going on. She's, like, completely in the dark, so she doesn't even yeah. know. She can't see anything. She can't see what's coming. And again, this was actually shot that way, so they really were in complete darkness using this infrared camera. Like, she had genuinely no idea that this that this woman, woman in quotes, whatever right. the hell it is at this point, is coming at them. But it's, like, this, like, cool reveal where, like you start with like a distant little shadow and then you come back and then you look back and it's a little closer now and you look away and you come back and then you start to see like a form and then it comes into the light and it's like, it's like a large, like naked, like thin naked woman in a diaper, basically in like a cloth diaper with like stringy. It's like the most disgusting, disturbing, like weird creature humanoid thing. She's like stretched out beyond the normal humanity like she's gaunt and grotesquely tall she's like skin and bones with this wispy hair and like you said she's got this like soiled diaper on and a distended jaw like it's just awful yeah (laughs) in the best way it's truly creepy it's a lot of those like um i don't know if you've ever seen like ghost encounters or like uh yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, all those, like, uh, that's another found footage movie that's, like, decent, but, like, the, like, night vision of, like, the girl who turns around with, and then she has, like, the fucked up weird, like, jaw, right. distended jaw, but it's also, like, not a, like, I just, my face just turned that way for a second to scare you. This is, like, a walking, talking, yeah. breathing, like, one of those. Ugh. Yeah, it's intense as hell. And reasonably, Angela and Pablo try to escape, but uh, they make too much noise. They clatter on some pans and some pots and pans, and uh, Pablo is hammered to death by Tristana, and uh, and he drops the camera. And so Angela, like, she's terrified. She's been in the pitch black. She has no idea what's happening. All she can do is hear the hammering and screaming, and she finds the camera and looks through the screen, and the first thing that she's seen in, like you said, like five minutes is 
Tristana eating Pablo. <laughs> so yep. uh, she panics, trips, and drops the camera. And like you said, this is like one of the best endings. Do you want to you want to walk us through it and tell us like why it's so uh, just awesome? Sure. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember the details of everything, but it's like she tries to run away. It's them sneaking past her. I'll back up a minute. It's them trying to sneak past her and then they knock something over and she turns around and basically like starts freaking out like she's like a feral animal or something like that, which she basically is. And, you know, has that like screechy, like, I can't even do it, but just that like, it's, I, 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 (laughs) that was my attempt at it, but it's like this cool, weird, like Jurassic Park Raptors or something, but like this weird screechy. And then she, yeah, she starts like, but, but it's almost like at first she starts banging on the wall with the hammer. Like, it's like a weird, like, it's like a feral (laughs) child where it's just like, she, she's just disturbed. It's like, you almost feel bad for her. You almost, you're just like, she doesn't know. She's just scared. And then she gets Pablo and starts beating him to death with a hammer. And then Angela gets the camera. She runs away. Basically, she falls down and she's like laying on the floor in front of the camera. She doesn't know where the camera is, but it's in front of her and it's looking at her. And it's like, like silent. And it feels like, you know, it's gone silent and she's waiting and you hear some sort of you know, knocking her footsteps or something. And then it's like a good, long, nice, like her sitting there in silence, like a good, solid, like five, six seconds. And then she gets like dragged away into the dark while she screams. And that's the end of the movie, which is kind of the, like, it's kind of the iconic image of that movie. It was, I remember it was for, I remember in, when they made the quarantine, the remake that, that was in the trailer. Oh my God. (laughs) It was her getting dragged away. That's quite a reveal for the trailer, but I, know. I mean, I can understand why they would want to use it in there because it is fucking great. Like, yeah, it's, it's so, cool. so, so good. Yeah, like you said, she gets pulled pulled away, totally shocking, and it cuts to black, and all you just hear is her, like, the repetition. It's like an echoey repetition from the very beginning of her saying, we have to record everything. Yep, And yep. boy, it's, it's so... Which is another one of my favorite um, found footage things. I mean, sometimes, in this case, I love it, but at a lot of times of just like the, somebody in the movie has to say, no, we have to record what's <laughs> going on so everyone knows to justify you continuing to record yeah. the entire movie or else you'd be like, no, put the fucking camera away and let's do, like, <laughs> yeah. worry yeah. about taking care of ourselves here. But again, this is like, I, I want to like this movie enough to be like, they're the first ones that said that but who knows <laughs> hey, did they say that in Blair Witch Project they probably said it in Blair Witch Project at some um, point I don't know I don't know but I but I do think that it works really well here because yeah. you know it makes sense for the characters in uh, because they are gen- like professional people who work with cameras and, right. and, and are on TV but in addition to that I think that the fact that in terms of the story the fact that it is it seems like they're being quarantined by authority figures and it uh-huh. might be something to like Oh, this is an abuse of authority. Why are like what's going on in here? Um, I think is much more reasonable for them to be like we need sure. to keep recording, yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to like oh, there's a fucking giant monster outside. Right, <laughs> like, right, right, um, right. But I like I said, I think that it does work here. Um, and the way that this movie is shot has a ton of influence, not just in helping to popularize the subgenre, but it was also one of the major inspirations for um, horror game Outlast, which again uh. sort of explores the line between science and religion but the pov in that game was 100% like basically lifted from this game or from this wow. movie because uh, you you're you don't have any weapons it's just a camera and right a lot of it is using uh 
this night vision and you know it, your hand is bobbing around as you're walking mm-hmm. so it has sort of that shaky cam feel really it's just really great stuff um it's super effective and now we've reached the point of the show mookie where we sum up oh boy. why this is the best horror movie ever made because oh. we we've hit a lot of really great points but there's a lot of great horror movies out there and so sure your your opportunity now to sum it up for all the good people out there what makes this the best Oh boy. Well, I I feel like I can't do this without repeating myself, but just that like it why I love it so much is just that like it gives me all the satisfying scares that I could want in a short amount of time. It only worries about like keeping me on the edge of my seat and not anything else and it's just I will say this again, the last 5 minutes of this movie is like I think one of the coolest things I've ever seen, like in a movie, mm-hmm. just the way that effectiveness of what they're trying to do and the feeling they're trying to evoke from you. It's like so scary. It's so cool. It's so like thrilling and exciting and like unexpected. And um, uh, that's my answer. <laughs> I think that that's perfect. You know, those last five minutes justify it. But even before that, you got a great 73 minutes of yeah. fun, fast paced groundbreaking found footage horror. I mean, there's a reason that these progenitors of the genre are some of the ones that have actually stood the test of time. Wreck is great. It's really, really amazing. And, you know, the fact that they were so focused on bringing this this authenticity to the movie helps it feel lived in, helps it feel real, and helps to make it a scary movie. In addition to all of these really effective filmmaking techniques, it's, it's just good, and it's scary. And to yeah. me... That makes it the best horror movie ever made. Great. I'm happy that you liked it. Uh, being a, a greater um, authority on horror movies than hey, I'm sure I am. I, but. I would never claim any authority. And uh, <laughs> and frankly, uh, I thought it, it was really, really awesome. So I was super Thank psyched. Thank you. you You're it. not just kissing my ass. <laughs> I, do I say that to everybody? Yes. But also, I do genuinely think it was really good. <laughs> okay, good. Good, 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 good. Um, so, great. So, uh, we, we've gone through that. That's why it's the best. Um, you want to tell the people where they can uh, reach out to you, find you on uh, TikTok? Definitely, you want to shout out your sure, username yeah. and stuff I, on there? I would say I'm, I'm Lil Mookie B, L-I-L-M-O-O-K-I-E-B on TikTok and Twitter. So, if you don't want TikTok, I do post them on Twitter. And, I, you know, they're both fun places. And they're also both uh, nightmare places to see my content. <laughs> Um, great. You have any other uh, any other plugs? Any projects that you want to shout out, or just anything nope. that you're enjoying at the time? Right now, I'm enjoying. Uh, I got a Nintendo Switch. I'm playing Animal Crossing. Boom. And uh, what more? What more could you ask for in quarantine? D- yeah, DM me if your island is not uh, if if your native fruit is not peaches. I'd love to come sell some peaches. <laughs> there you go. Uh, as far as my plugs, you can find me on Twitter at Gerg Hef. You can find the show on Twitter at Little Horror PHL. That username extends to Instagram and Facebook as well. But really, we're just on Twitter for the most part. And uh, there's a new website, uh, LittleHorrorPHL.com. You can listen to the show there if you don't feel like listening to it on an app for some reason. But uh, also, it has links to the store and all that good stuff. So check out the website and uh, leave us a rating and a review if you're enjoying the show. That is it for me. I want to thank you for coming on, man. This was a lot of fun. And Thanks uh, for having me. I had fun. Absolutely. Great. Um, that's it. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.